And then, you know, it's like, oh, we have youth group. So I prepare. Now we'll just see what happens. And so there's nothing. All right. All right. How's that clip on the sweatshirt? All right. So we are continuing onward and upward. Yeah, everyone? We didn't lose anyone. Great. Um, so what we're going to do today is slightly more interactive than normal because I always love it when we do this and I totally forget to, uh, but we'll work together through a couple of the um, epistles. There we go. Oh, thank you, default animations, for making that slow. Uh, so we're going to do two weeks of epistles, which is going to be tonight, next week's Easter, so we're not meeting. And then in two weeks, we'll finish this out um, because the, the epistles primarily do two things. They're going to explain the gospel and they're going to apply the gospel. Or I think I said when we were talking about, um, you know, the kingdom of God arriving in the gospels that the epistles would, they would explain the kingdom and give the ethics of the kingdom, if you want to, E-words. Um, so what we need to know and understand about who Jesus is and what he did, and then how we should act because of it. Uh, so we're going to do both of these. We have Easter in between, and then we'll finish this series out, um, actually in the middle of May, right? Because it gets kind of crazy. We have now Easter, finish the epistles. That's called the, let's call it the 24th, I don't know. Then you have May 1st, which is our FDN finale. So we'll do, you know, a lesson down there pizza or grilling something and kickball game um, out back. So that's May 1st. May 8th is Mother's Day. So you, you're running out of time. You have about a month to plan your big Mother's Day extravaganza. Is anybody's mom, anybody, you know, go all out for Mother's Day? It's like, here's some cereal. Enjoy your breakfast. I made it for you, right? It's like stale cornflakes and spilled milk, and then you make her do the dishes. Awesome. Um, having the children? Right? Every day is Mother's Day. That, like, when we were kids, it'd be like, there's Mother's Day, Father's Day, when's Kids Day? My mom's like, every day is Kids Day. I'm like, thanks. She's a great mom. That, <laughs> I feel like if you only know that about her, you think my mom's a jerk. She's not. So we have Mother's Day, but then May, that's May 8th. So May 15, we'll finish uh, out the series um, going through Scripture. And then we'll just... Until school's out mid-June, we're going to take a break. you got Memorial Day in there anyways. And then we'll come back for summer. We'll do some fun things. We'll do some other things. Everything we do is fun, but we'll do some not teaching things. Um, but tonight we're going to start with the epistles. And just to make sure we're on the same page, when I say epistle, what, what is an epistle? Okay. Leathers, yeah. We'll just call it leathers. And so they're mainly written by Paul. Who else wrote them? Anybody know? Peter, Peter wrote a couple. John. It's an N. Luke? No. Whoever wrote Hebrews. Question mark Hebrews guy. James, right, James? James? Jude. Jude. I think we got... Did we say John? We did. 
All right. How many did Paul write? Who said 12? You got it. Was it 12? Unless some people think Paul wrote Hebrews. I'm not of that camp, but I'd make 13. But how about Peter wrote? Two. Two. John wrote? Four. Three. 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 No. First, second. So. Revelation is. Three. Revelation is. Revelation. It's right on the line there. So it's either three or four. He also wrote the Gospel of John. Hebrew Sky wrote one. James wrote one. Jude Slacker. He only wrote one. It's like one chapter long. Like, way to go, Jude. Um, it did. Like, that's what matters. You got on the board. Anyone know what these guys have in common? James and Jude? Fun trivia. Only ones? And what do you say, Jeremy? Yeah, they're, they're Jesus' brothers. Um, why did we write the not we? Why did they write epistles? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why else? You think that's pretty all encompassing? Yeah. Okay. Correction. Yeah, we see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, teaching. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, thing about letters, right, is you write them to specific people for specific situations. So, like, we can come to the Bible and be like, oh, Romans, if I have questions about the gospel, I can just go here and it's like, the gospel is this. We come to know it because A, B, C, and D, and we apply it in these 17 ways or whatever. And that's, that's not how it works. The gospels or the, the epistles are writing to specific situations. So sometimes they're writing to church leaders, right? Um, you know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus are all written to pastors about how to lead a church. Um, Sometimes they're written to train people in what it means to live as a Christian or to offer correction. Galatians is a great book of, you know, usually the, the letters are like, praise God that you guys are believing in Jesus. I love you all and I miss you and I can't wait to see you. Galatians is like, you idiots, what are you doing? Like, wow, okay. We're, we're, not, we're not hedging any bets there. We're just, we're not pulling punches. Oh uh, yeah, lots of teaching going on. Um, encouragement sometimes that's the book of hebrews it's all about encouraging suffering christians um sometimes it's just like pastoring from afar when we go through the book of james it's like hey i want to pastor you guys but you're not here so let me write a letter anybody know why romans was written the biggest one there's a fun one why because paul wanted money he wanted to fund a trip to Spain, but missions cost money, right? You gotta, you gotta, you know, rent a seat on a ship or however this works. So he was fundraising, and he's never been to Rome. So he's like, "Hey, 
here's who I am, here's what I believe. I know you have like a lot of stuff going there. Let me, let me help you through that. And like, I want to come see you. You want to come see me now. And maybe we can work together to get the gospel all the way to Spain. Like that'd be pretty amazing, right? Um, but one thing they all have in common is they're all going to contain teaching, doctrine, theology, and application, right? How that stuff applies. And it's not always easy um, in dealing with the epistles. Usually epistles are going to be the easiest part for most people to understand um, when we come to scripture, unlike, you know, kings, history, exile stuff. But not always. I mean, Peter even says it. He says, our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Great. If Peter thinks that Paul's letters are hard to understand, like that's encouraging for us. Um, and because some things are difficult, right, the ignorant and unstable twist it to their own desires as they do with the other scriptures. Um, so a fear of the early church was people would, you know, grab a teaching and they would twist it and start preaching these half-truths full lies and you know they would they would distort the gospel to to say it means something that it it, it doesn't right false teaching was a major 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 concern in the early church so a lot of the epistles are building up the church with truth so they don't fall into error i mean i mentioned jude the slacker he he famously starts his letter uh, beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were desti- uh, designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God in sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Right? Jude just wants to be like, hey, let's celebrate how good Jesus is. But he's like, yeah, we can't do that. We need to argue. We need to defend the faith because people are, are taking the words of Scripture and they're twisting them to ultimately deny Jesus Christ. Um, hopefully, as Tom Laura, I'll be preaching Jude in, in July this summer, so we'll get a couple weeks of that. Um, and the language but, in this passage, right, like might seem like, oh, it was long ago. I wonder what was happening then. And so right. Like that. Everything that's being talked about right here is happening right now in the world, in your lives. This is so like, once you once you start learning more about it, I mean, everything that's listed, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that right. person's saying this, this thing is happening. That's like, this is how it's turning into sexuality. And these are all the ways it's denying Christ. This is huge. This is like happening. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so um, what we're going to do then tonight is we're going to work together through a couple of passages in the epistles and kind of, you know, I want, I want you to, I don't want to just be like, hey, listen to me talk for a while. You've done that this morning. Um, let, let's work together so you can get some experience in dealing with the epistles and how we get from, you know, a letter that Paul, I think I have all Paul texts actually. I didn't intend that, but I do. Um, wrote, you know, 2,000 years ago to apply it to our questions that we have today. Um, so how about, what do we have? I want to do like groups of like five or six-ish. We have 10. We have 10? We can do two groups, but then I just stay bored. 
No, that's fine. We'll do two groups. I can, I can help where needed. Um, and I'll give you, you know, a question, such as, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus die? What's the point of his death? And how do we live as Christians? And I want you guys to kind of work together in a given text to, um, to answer these, these things of how we explain the gospel from the epistles. Then we'll, you know, take five minutes to work in groups and then five minutes to come back, throw our answers up there, and then do it again. That's how we're going to do tonight. So how about we go, I don't know, slice down the middle. That's four and six. Slice down, I don't know. How about you form yourselves into two groups, <laughs> Team Laura and Team Tim. Team one, team two. Team team one and team two from Frisbee, yeah. Because that was even that more was split. The, that was. Those were. <laughs> All right. So, who's team one from? You guys are with Laura. Team two is with Tim. We're gonna call you guys team. I was going to go Team Bagel and Team English Muffins, but, you know. Oh, that's... Well, that croissant. <laughs> From summer camp like eight years ago. <laughs> croissant. That's French. Everyone knows that's a French. Jeremy, is that not French? That sounds like a joke. I don't think that's Chloe, where's your dad? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so Team Bagel... Team one, you're, you're wherever you want to be. Team two. So what we're going to do, we're going to answer the question, okay, so who's Jesus? That's, that's something that Paul wants the churches to know. Uh, we're going to be in Colossians 1, 15 through 23. We're just going to try and pull ideas and form a, a, a theology, a doctrine, a Christology is what that would be called. Christology, the study of, well, O-G-Y. Um, from Colossians 1, 15 through 23. I'm going to give you guys like five minutes to do this. This one's fairly simple. I don't, you, can do, you can do whatever you want for the room. And then we'll come back, we'll throw some ideas up and, and talk through it. Okay. Sound good? We understand what we're doing? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I was just... All right. So... Paul wrote a letter to the church at Colossae, um, Colossae, the A-E, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, basically because they had this, they had some teachers coming in. They weren't quite buying what they were selling, but they were teaching. So Jesus, don't think of Jesus as a man like you and I. Think Jesus more of like a a ghosty kind of figure, right? Like, sure, he has a body, but it's, it's not like a physical body. It's a, it's a spiritual kind of body because everyone knows, you know, what did Jesus say to the disciples in the garden? The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Like, spirit is good, flesh is bad. Like, d don't do anything with your body. Don't worry about, like, eating and, and drinking and getting rest. Like, you should actually kind of discipline your body into shape. You should hurt yourself. You should avoid, you know, rich foods and stuff because the body's evil. We're all about the spirit. And Paul's like, yeah, no, that's, that's garbage. Um, 
Let me, let me tell you who Jesus is and, and what the faith should look like. And part of the way he does that is he gives us kind of this hymn of who Christ is. So um, from Colossians 1, 15 through 23, give me, a, give me a picture of who, how, give me a picture of what we should believe about Jesus Christ. And give me some verses if you, if you have them too. How did the church? What verse? Okay. 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 Um, I'm sorry, I wrote everything on my list. Oh, that's fine. Anything else? I mean, that's a that's a good list here. Um, so let's say, you know, you were talking to somebody at the Church of Classe, and they're like, you know what, I don't really know. Like, give me some descriptions of who Jesus is, right? We just made a list. How would you begin to group some of these together and draw some conclusions, right? So, like, is how, how does Jesus relate to God? What's that? Okay, aren't we the image of God? So is Jesus the same as us? Okay, he's an image, but whereas we're, you know, this marred sinful image, he's the fullness of God. The fullness of God dwells bodily in him. Um, so we have kind of 15 and 19 working together. Okay. Okay, so he's not quite God, he's created, that's where we're at. Okay. Okay. Can you can you give me something from the text that says no? Jesus wasn't created. Like yeah, he's the firstborn of creation. Yeah, firstborn of creation. Let's not read that he was the first and greatest part of creation, right? You know, like who's the older brother in the room? You know. The firstborn's the greatest. Everything else is a little bit, eh. Like, Gavin's like, yep, that's, that's right. Um, no, because he, he wasn't created because through him, by him, all things were created. So he can't be created 
So when we say firstborn of creation, we mean he's, he's over it all. He's, he's better than that because he's the creator of everything. So we can link those up. What else would you say about Jesus? Yeah. He's just. He's just. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's just. That's great. What else would we say about who Jesus is? Preeminent. Yeah, and we see that in a couple places, right? Like, he's the head of the church. He holds everything together, not just the church. He reconciles people. Like, yeah, he's... Jesus is pretty successful in what he does and who he is, right? He's not a failure in those things. Any, any other conclusions we'd want to draw about who Jesus is? Mm. Yeah, and through authority up there with maybe preeminent. Maybe it, it's slightly different, but they're, they're linked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this is really helpful, especially what we just did in, in red and not some... The blue was, that's where you start, right? We figure out, okay, what's the text saying? And then how do these things work together to form these opinions? Um, not opinions, these, these answers, these, these truths about things that matter, right? Because when we were in the Gospels, we just said, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment, but we, when we dealt with narrative, we didn't really give a lot of meaning to words. But now we do. Um, that's what the epistles do. So let me, let me give you another one. What's the point of Jesus' death? Why did Jesus have to die? If Jesus was king, if Jesus is the authority, if he's preeminent, if he's holding everything together, it feels like he shouldn't have to die, right? Like, if you're the boss, why don't you just be the boss and not die? There's got to be a, a good reason for Jesus' death. Um, so we're going to go Romans 3, 21 through 31. I mean, if you want to seep in on the edges, you probably want to. Um, and actually, I want to answer this in two ways. So why did Jesus have to die for you? Or what's the point of Jesus' death for you? And what's the point of Jesus' death for God? Any team, like, hey, I want to call dibs on one of those answers. Okay, what team are you? All right, team bagels. So this is team bagels. What's the point of Jesus' death for you? And this is team pizza rolls. I changed you guys. You, well, we went to Bagel Bites and Pizza Rolls now. So what, what benefit was Jesus' death for God? What benefit is Jesus' death for you? I'm going to give you another five minutes or so, maybe seven, and we'll start working through Romans 3. Um, just so we know what we're hitting in Romans. Romans 1 is all about people... Like, God deserves our worship, but people refuse to worship God. Instead of worshiping the creator, they worship creation. That's the essence of sinfulness. Um, and so God's going to judge everyone. That Judgment's coming. There, there's no escaping. Like, if you're sinful, you're going to be judged for your sin. And, like, God's righteous. He's going to do what's right. And it's right to punish sin 
And, you know, earlier in three, everyone's sitting there. No one seeks God. No, not one. They've all, you know, we got a bunch of stuff about how wicked and evil people are. But then we come to the end through 3, 21 through 31, and we get, you know, a little bit of hope for the first time in the book of Romans. So why don't we split up again? I'll give you a few minutes. And this one's going to be a little bit more in-depth, but that's fine. That's good. All right, so when we come to Romans 3, I already mentioned, uh, that's fine, that Paul's kind of laying out who he is, what he believes, not just because he wants to introduce himself, but also he, he knows the church at Rome. He cares about them. Um, and this passage here, it's, there's some passages where you can just read them and be like, all right, that's great. Like, I'm glad I read that and I understand everything. And then there's some passages that are dense, and it's just, it's like, you know, trying to pack as much as you possibly can into a suitcase. You sit on top and you zip it up to, to make it happen. That's one of these passages. There's just a lot going on here. Uh, Martin Luther actually called Romans 3, 21 through 31, the center of the entire Bible, um, because everything that Christians believe is centered around the cross. And the cross is also not just central for Christians, but it's central for God as, as well. So I'm asking the questions, how or what? Or maybe a, a better question is like, is it worthwhile to show up on Friday to celebrate Good Friday with the church? Like, does the cross matter? Why? What, what's the point of Jesus' death? Um, so let's talk, you know, what's the point of Jesus' death from God's perspective? What is... What is the cross do for God? Yeah. It shows his righteousness, kindness, love, and grace. When I, when I, talk when I teach I generally pile up words on top of each other that are usually unnecessary like I never say it shows God's righteousness but it shows his righteousness kindness love and grace and now I feel bad for anyone who ever tries to take notes on I'm like so many but no yeah absolutely what's up uh, I'm sure in the bathroom there's some unless Tim finds you some first Uh, no, I got napkins. That does anything for you. All right. What else does the cross do for God? What else does the cross do for God? Nice. Okay. All right. Shows his kindness. Kindness. Yeah. Um, 
Yep. Justified okay. by his grace. So justification being um, what being the, uh, the satisfaction of um, what, um, to God the necessary things for those who have been who are sin fall short, right? Is how would you how would you word that? So justification is necessary to bring sinners back to himself. Is that? So, so he's he's a, he's he's accomplishing that. Okay. Um, is it, can it, can that be uh, a good way to say that? Where the reference there for justification? I'm the I'm. The, the way the purpose that's being accomplished in Jesus' death for God is that the necessary. Um, the necessary consequence for the sin is being, is being taken care of. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so why, showing God's righteousness, why is this necessary? Why would we not know that God is righteous already? Like, shouldn't that be obvious that God's righteous? One of the fascinating things we never think about is, um, so this was to show God's righteousness. I assume that's where you picked that up. Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. Meaning God was patient with people, right? Noah got drunk, passed out naked, and God's like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this right now. And then... You know, who else do we want to deal with? Abraham? Do we want to talk about him sleeping with his maid? Do we want to talk about him not trusting God? Um, calling his wife his sister and selling her off to a king in a foreign land? Or the other time he did that exact same thing? Like, like there's lots of sin that happens in the Old Testament, and God's like, you know what? It's cool. Um, I always think of, who was it? D.A. Carson, John Piper, somebody always gives the example of Uriah, you know Uriah the Hittite, uh, his dad, right? Because David goes and he kills Uriah, he sleeps with this dad's, you know, daughter-in-law and steals her away, and then he just prays and poof, like nothing happens. God says, it's cool. You're my friend, David. And, and like, how would you feel if you're Uriah's dad? You're, you're screaming out with everything. God is not fair. He sees sin and he does nothing about it. How can a God who is just, how can a God who is righteous just sweep sin under the rug? Like, who's going to pay for the life of my son, my daughter-in-law, and my, my first grandkid who's now dead because of it? Like, is God not going to do anything about that? Does not God not care about sin? But what does the cross show us? God does care about sin. He does punish sin. He is righteous. He justifies sinners, yes, but he also justifies his own character in saying, Jesus had to die in order for God to be just. I don't think that's an overstatement. We, we never think about what the cross does for God. But if Jesus doesn't die, 
That means God's not a righteous God, and you can't trust him to do what's right because he's just swept sin under the rug if, you know, you're his buddy from the beginning of history. And that is far from justice and righteousness. So, um, um, yeah, so, so, so the cross justifies God. Um, but how, what does the cross do for Christians as well? So, team... Bagel bites or whatever you're doing. What do you guys remember? I mean, I know I wrote them all down, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think in 23 it says, like, um, for all of our sins, like, you died for all of our sins. Okay. So, cross because we... A-U-S-E. Because we're sinners. Okay. Yeah. So that God can be the God of the Gentiles and not the Jews. Mm. Yeah, otherwise it's, you have to become Jewish to become one of God's people because of the cross, the, the doors open up for everyone. Why else is the cross necessary for Christians? Okay. Yeah. Because of the cross, how do we get saved? Like, what do we need to do to be saved? How good do we need to be to be saved? Yeah, that's verse 27, right? Is it by the law of works? No, the law of faith. So, grace comes by faith. Any other any other benefits here? I think cool even on this at the end in verse thirty one, mm-hmm. um, Paul talks about how we uphold the law. So okay. even though we have this faith um, through Christ that we're able to uphold the law, we have the power to uphold mm-hmm. the law. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting because the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, right? right. Even though the law and the prophets bear witness to it, that's right. twenty one that I've just scribbled out. But we're not, you know, okay, the cross exists, therefore the law is garbage. No, we uphold the law, um, but it doesn't do what we want it to do. The law doesn't make us right with God, but maybe there's still other good things that exist in the law. Yeah, so, so the cross is essential for Christians to become Christians, to get right with God. Um, the point of Jesus' death is it's the center of everything for God. It shows his righteousness, and it's how God makes sinners righteous, um, and that's the benefit for us. All right, we don't have time for question number three, but that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, so, so when we come to epistles, right, this is, this is everything I wanted to show you. I just thought it would be more helpful if you did it yourself, because epistles, at least to me, are a little bit easier. I still have, you know notes from this morning where I can just, you know, put everything in just a ton of words. I'm like, how do these work together? What, what are all of this saying? How do we have themes and stuff? Um, they, they come and they teach churches things, but they also teach us things as we get to read them. They're preserved for a reason, right? These things aren't just true in Rome, but they're true everywhere all the time. There is some stuff that's only for a certain situation and culture. Um, Maybe we'll touch on that in two weeks. But 
as they come and explain the gospel, they do it for us, just like they did the original.